Hey everybody, Ryan Molly here, and uh, really, really excited about today's guest. We have a another local legend. Uh, he's a young guy, but he's a really, really good one. Uh, local foot and ankle surgeon. His name is Dr. Anthony Colonna. Um, he's born and bred here, uh, trained down in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, did some um, podiatry training out in the Cleveland area, but. Super excited to just share his story, um, hear more about his family, his wife, his wife's family, um, you know, his two kids, and just the growing accomplishments that he's that he's done, and he's really kind of revolutionized uh, foot and ankle surgery, particularly bunion surgery. So stay tuned; you aren't going to want to miss this. And again, stick around till the very end. We have the Sawbones Challenge, and as always, the seventh inning Sawbones Shoe Stretch too. So have a great day. We'll see you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. Really, really excited about tonight's episode. Uh, we've got a great local guy. He is a uh, uh, podiatrist. He uh, went to McDowell High School, so he's, he's kind of born and raised in this area. Ended up going to Washington Jefferson for his undergrad just south of Pittsburgh. Uh, then moved over to the Cleveland area where he did his um, uh, podiatry training at Kent State. And then did his residency back here in the Erie area. But uh, really, really cool guy, excellent uh, physician, surgeon. Um, I've trusted many, many family members and uh, a lot of my patients. Uh, he's who I send them to for foot and ankle stuff. So really excited to have him. But uh, Dr. Anthony Colonna, how are you, buddy? Doing well. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah. So thanks for taking time away from the family to come out. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Thursday evening, a little yeah, after 8 o'clock. Yep. I was just telling him that uh, last night, I'm, I'm a early to bed kind of guy and early to rise kind of guy i'm usually in bed by you know 8 30 9 o'clock i'm sleeping and uh last night's episode with it was anthony santoro so it'll be the week before yours airs and um we didn't start recording until 11 p.m and <laughs> it was it was a long one but it was a fun one so and i'm looking forward to this because absolutely be too. it'll be great so one of the things you know that we always do when we first start is just to like learn a little bit more about you you know i, I kind of hit the highlights of you know, being an eerie guy, but 
Tell us a little bit more about you kind of growing up, your family, your influences. Like what made you decide to go into to become a foot and ankle surgeon? Yeah, absolutely. No. So I, like you said, I grew up in Erie. I played a lot of soccer when I grew up and I actually injured myself um, playing soccer and that spurred my interest in the foot and the anatomy of the foot and stuff like that. I actually had a sustentaculum tali fracture, which is a very rare fracture. I've actually only seen one in practice currently. Wow. And so that I, ended I remember up, that name of that bone it, it's, it's somewhere it, down there. Right? I know it, it's on the calcaneus <laughs> yeah. on the inside of it. And it's, it's, it was such a weird, like, recovery and just everything about and looking at, you know, the uh, physician who treated me ended up uh, showing me picture of the bone and the x-rays and the CT scan and all that. And I, so that kind of spurred my interest in podiatry in general. Um, going back to my family, I have a sister, an older sister, and both my parents here in Erie. And um, my dad grew up in construction and my mom was a hairdresser, you know, neither of them went to college. And so I kind of, uh, my family, uncle is uh, Joe Dimel and he kind of, he was a physician locally. Forgot that uh, so, relation. Yeah. So he uh, kind of sparked my interest when I was, you know, first, second grade, I was scribbling my name so I could be a doctor and you know, all that fun stuff. <laughs> like, is it illegible enough yet, mom? <laughs> yeah. You're like, um, <laughs> can you actually read what I'm writing? If you can, I'm not doing it well enough. So that was like, you know, I, I still wore my tool belt around and all that stuff too, you know, and I did work with my dad and I did a ton of uh, carpentry and stuff with my dad when I was younger. And you know. we have a lot more in common just in this first five minutes that, because my mom was yeah. a hairdresser. Oh, really? Had her own beauty shop until just a couple of years ago. She had it for over 50 years in our house. Yeah. Which my mom had one. She had it. She worked somewhere, and then when we were growing up, she was in the house, and then she's now back at a salon here locally. But is she still working? She is eh, a couple days a week. Yeah, you okay. know. But uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, so yeah, I mean, the, even just the I think, and I see the stuff you do and the construction and things, and we all tinker around our house and build things. And I helped my dad build a big patio in my backyard a couple months ago, and you know, it's it's good to do. And I think that actually helps us as surgeons you know oh hands immensely. down like your your dexterity yeah you know you were you were a step ahead than mm -hmm. your your fellow residents when yeah. you're coming through For i kind of sure. felt that too but um spatial recognition and just everything in general yeah so yeah so that kind of i mean i i knew i didn't want to do construction and i kind of liked the idea of medicine and helping people and kind of the podiatric thing actually just came about i was um Set on dental school, actually. Okay. And uh, up until probably my junior year of college. And then my my uncle actually mentioned to me, he said, you know, you should check out podiatry. And I went and um, shadowed a local podiatrist. And I also did a one month in a dental office. And I liked podiatry significantly more. Yeah. So that was kind of... Kudos to I, you for like I getting switched. out there and like actually observing it. Cause yeah. It's a, that's a big commitment, regardless mm -hmm. of which direction you were going to go, Yeah, to end up not really enjoying it. Yeah, though that, and that's kind of what I said. I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it full bore. I'm going to know I like it. And I really thought I would love dentistry, and probably within one week, I'm like, absolutely not. Hmm. You know, like there is no possible way I could be a dentist my entire life. Yeah, just in someone's mouth every day. Yeah, right? and you're trying to talk to them, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, not for me. So do you remember the first time that we met? 
I'm trying to, I always ask people that question. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I, Probably through Travis. Right? I know it was through Travis for sure. And I think we maybe golfed together. To okay. tell you the truth, I think it might have been at Cockwa Golfing. And you were probably like, this guy is horrible. Well, <laughs> Travis, and like, then it all comes around. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, I, I do think so. I think it was, okay. I think it was golfing at Cockwa. I mean, randomly one night after work or something, you were playing with him. And I think I just came up. And yeah, you like, tagged you gotta, in for, like, yeah. you didn't play No, I think I came round. in seven, eight holes or yeah. something like that. And uh, so I think that was the first time we met. T-Buzz. That common denominator. <laughs> yeah, he knows everybody. He's he's he has his hands in everything. <laughs> so, you know, I always ask my guests what they like to drink, and um, there's another thing that I think you and I have in common. So I asked you, but I also asked Travis. He goes, he likes IPAs and red wine. I'm like, perfect. Those are two <laughs> like, things I enjoy. I, I got two. I got both of those things, <laughs> yeah. and, and quite a few of both. Yes, so yes. We're drinking the Dogfish Head 60 Minute IPA, which is actually one of my my favorites. What's your favorite like IPA? Are you a West Coast IPA guy? East I Coast? do. I like West Coast uh, Sculpin, Ballast Point Sculpin. I've never had that one. It's uh, out of it's a California beer. I'm pretty sure. Okay, and it, that's one of my favorite ones. It's good. And then I actually just got my, uh, I guess cousin in law. He owns a place out in Edinburgh, and um, he got me some. I think it was called Heady Topper. Does he does he own the like the distributor? Burrow beer. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 They so always have a good selection. He, has, there. he gets in like the best stuff. Yeah. So he's know. he's given me a bunch of random beers that I'm like, he's never given me a bad one. Yeah. And does so, he know that you're like a hop head too? Yeah. So. He he feeds me. He knows what I'm gonna like. Have you had IPAs where you're just like, I don't like that? Yeah, some of the super citrusy ones. Oh, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm like I feel like right now you go to a bar and you're like, you see all these, oh, IPA on tap. It's like citrusy. Yeah. And I'm not, that's not my, my jam, no. right? Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm more of a West Coast IPA guy. Mm -hmm. I do like East Coast too, but when you start throwing citrusy stuff in there, I can maybe do one. Yeah. But it's just not the flavor I'm looking for. I like the the heavy hop. Sure. That, it's that like bitterness. maybe if you're at the pool, you know, one or yeah. two of those are all right. But yeah, no, I like the hoppy. Like I like the fact that Cockwa has this yeah. on draft at the pool. Oh yeah, no. That, this is these, these are phenomenal. Dogfish head. That's probably one of the. Early, actually, funny story. That's one of the first IPAs I ever had, and the reason why is my buddy in college got a case of the 120 minute. Oh boy. Yeah. So he goes. He goes. What's we're each going to drink three of those. I, I don't even know. I know that it's like 11 to 13 percent alcohol content. You know. So it's like. He's like, oh, we're each going to drink three of these and, you know, we'll have some fun tonight. And, you know, I got them there because I mean, in college, next thing you know, you're waking up. It's like noon the next day. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was like, OK, we'll try it out. And uh, I remember when we got him, I'm like, he's, he's like, this was like one hundred and sixty dollars for a case, which back then, I mean, for a case, of beer, no matter much? what. Yeah. I don't even know how he got a case or what I've it had was. the 90 minute mm -hmm. several times. I don't think I've ever had the 120 minute. He had to like. Pull some strings to get it. Sign like and his first child away too. Something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how, what you did or how you did. He came back from New Jersey with it. I was a like, long trip for a yeah. case of beer. Yeah. He's he's like, I went home and I I, I was able to pick this up. Wow. And that was an interesting one. That tastes like gasoline. Yeah. But, you know. It's got the job done, right? Yeah. It was, it was fun. <laughs> it was a good one. So that was actually probably the first IPA. I'm like, I don't know if I like these. Then... 
15 years later yeah <laughs> or whatever you know that's exactly. probably my favorite drink yeah i feel like you know like your palate changes as you get older mm-hmm. ipas is one thing my palate has never changed on like no. i've always enjoyed ipas yeah and it's it's a beer that like most people when they first start drinking beer and they don't like beer they generally really don't like this no they right because it. it doesn't taste like your Miller Lights your Coors Lights no. it, you know your your more watered down standard lagers whatever but yeah so well let's get into the the Q and A so we sure. we talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit yeah um, you'll ask me six questions we'll do three business then three personal I always remind my guests that you can veto any of the questions that you don't. Like, but you only get one veto. Oh. And I will also say you're like guest number nine or ten, and no one has vetoed any questions yet. I can't be that guy. So no pressure. <laughs> so yeah, I will not be. Fire away. So I'll, I thought about this, you know, a little bit, and I'll start with one of the business questions, um, just as being a physician myself and stuff. And I, I'm very interested in patients in general, how they respond and all that stuff. So I, I want to be interested to see what you're – what you think the most important part of like the patient journey is, whether it's on when they first get into your office throughput, you know, at the end, the surgical portion or what, what you think it is. So, I mean, there's so many uh, critically important touch points in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I've personally found for myself and what I would say has allowed me to become a very successful surgeon. And to me that, and and how you define that is different for everybody. But for yeah. me, it's that um, I do your knee. You're sending your husband or your wife to me. You're sending your neighbors to me. Mm-hmm. It's the word of mouth. Yeah. I mean, that is by far and away the most popular referral source that we have is, is, is word of mouth, 95 plus percent of the time. Yeah. But that being said, um, the, the moment to me that I feel like those patients know that I'm the right guy for them is during my once a month educational seminars that I do and okay. I've done that my entire career yeah um when I first started I was grinding I was doing six a month I would go well I mean your wife is from the metro Detroit area so yes. I I practiced for the first five years of my career up in Livonia yeah and I would go to the Livonia senior center I'd go to the Northville senior center I'd go to the Greek church I'd go to the Italian American club I'd go to Panera and I'd just sit down at a table like nobody and by the end I'd have six patients there sitting and just talking to them and I would do seminars again in those communities, senior communities, churches, and then I would do one per month that I required all of my my patients that I was going to operate on the following month to come to. Mm-hmm. It's a mandatory component sure. for pre-op yeah. education. Yeah, and I've carried that through, and now I mean that we I have one last Thursday. There was like eighty people there. Yeah, it's huge. That's and awesome. That to me is the opportunity for them to kind of like get to see me a little bit more and get to really understand who I am a little bit more. Yeah. And quite honestly, that was one of the main reasons that I started this podcast was I wanted patients to be able to like, um, to relate with me and know that I'm more than a guy with a white coat that cuts you open and puts metal and plastic in you. Like sure, I have yeah. a personality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have hobbies outside of doing hip and knee surgery. I have very, very good friends that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And, and to me, I love being able to share my guest stories yeah, uh, because that is like so important to me is like, I'm a local guy. I believe in supporting local, um, supporting local people. And I love telling the stories because again, there's just so much that I learn. Um, you know, like Travis, I think I know a lot about him. Jared, my best friend, I think I know. And then he tells me stuff and Travis tells me stuff and you're going to tell me a lot of stuff that I never knew about you. Sure. Yeah. So, all right. Question two. So the other one I was going to ask you about the, 
where do you see total joint arthroplasty being in 10, 15 years from now? What, what advancements do you think will be there? Or where do you think it will be? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, I feel like um, medicine is always rapidly evolving. Mm. Right now, I think the big thing with um, arthroplasty, hip and knee replacement surgery, um, 15, 20 years ago, it was surgical technique, direct anterior hip replacements. Um, and, you know, fortunately, I was trained to be able to do that, and that's been, become a huge part of my practice. Mm-hmm. About five years ago, I switched my surgical technique on my knees from mechanical alignment, which is taking a bow leg and making it straight or making taking a knock knee, knee and making it straight. Mm-hmm. That's what every orthopedic <clears throat> surgeon up here in Erie does. Yeah. And 95% of the world, how they do it. Sure. And that's how I did it prior to 2018. And then I kind of changed religions and, and started doing kinematic alignment, which is literally resurfacing the bone. So we take the same amount um, off of the medial and lateral distal femoral condyles and the tibia. And we're putting the joint line obliquity. We're matching that mm-hmm. with, so the angle of the joint. So when someone's standing on a full length film, you can see their, their angle is very rarely ever parallel with the floor. It's usually tilted like this yeah. and it's different degrees. And so now we can customize that and do, if you had a three degree proximal medial tibial angle, we would reproduce that. If you had a seven degree distal lateral femoral angle, I know these are big technical terms. Yeah. We would reproduce that. But um, I think what's really coming right now and I think a lot of it is fluff, um, but like robotics. Sure, um, yeah. that's You know, I think there's a huge marketing push from hospitals and uh, implant vendors. Like, it's like, how do we how do we stay ahead? How do we maybe recoup more, get more of, of the share of what's in the community? Sure. Um, and, and more volume. Uh, but I think, like, artificial intelligence is going to be big. Yeah. I think uh, virtual reality or VR is, is big. Like, there's surgical goggles that I've, I've seen. I haven't yet used them in surgery. That's giving you real time feedback. Think about like a heads up display on your, your car when you can drive and you can see your speedometers up on your windshield, um, kind of like a hologram. So that's yeah. the same thing that you would wear. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have it in podiatry. Have you, yeah, have you seen I've, that? I haven't or? Seen, I've seen it and not specific to one field or another, but I've seen that idea. Yeah. So I think that is like, it's it's and technology is like always advancing right so i I do think that that's going to be a big thing over the next five to ten years am i going to jump on that bandwagon and start doing it probably not i'm for being a i would not say i'm a young surgeon i'm probably you know i'm in my mid 40s i'm 44 gonna be 45 in a couple months yeah so i'm kind of like what i consider the prime of my career um but i'm kind of an old-fashioned surgeon like i believe in seeing things well being super meticulous um, and, and and relying on good surgical technique as opposed to a bunch of gadgets. Yeah. Things like that. Makes sense. Yeah. And the last one was, I was going to say, what what is your favorite or your best investment in your practice? What do you think your best investment in your practice would be? Wow. Um. <laughs> There's a couple things. Um, I, I want to say one without like sounding arrogant because mm-hmm. um, there absolutely is no arrogance behind this. But so I, I don't gamble. Right. It's not a religious thing. Like if I'm going to like a fair or something like that, I'll throw a quarter down or here or there. But or if I go to Vegas, like I, I just there's no interest that I have in yeah. that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The only thing I ever gamble on is like myself. Yeah. So like my best investment was just going all in on me. 
mm-hmm. and knowing that like failure wasn't an option. I was going to meet a lot of roadblocks. I was going to meet a lot of people trying to take me down and, and it happens daily, right? It continues. It, but like, to me, it was just like, I know that I, I'm just not going to give up. Like, so that, that probably is like my, one of my number one investments. The number two though is my, my team and my staff. Yeah. Right. hundred percent agree with that. And I, I'm a firm believer and you have to treat, uh, and you know, my staff may be watching this and they may disagree, but I think I really take care of my staff in terms of compensation, productivity bonuses for all of the providers. Um, I'm extremely open and honest and transparent with all of that. Um, I, healthcare benefits. I do profit sharing. I do 401k matching. I hired a life coach recently to, to come in every yeah. Wednesday to work for three or four hours with my staff, my leadership team. And I've invested a lot of time and energy into that. Travis is on that leadership team and he's yeah. tremendously valuable in um, bringing, I mean, you know, Travis well, personally, absolutely. You work with him a little bit professionally, right? I do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and the, the level of service that he brings to the table is unlike any other person that I've ever met in his like field. He is, he is a service oriented guy and it shows mm-hmm. and he's gained, he gained my trust and faith very, very quickly, which very rarely happens with yeah. me. It, it's it's gotta be earned and it takes time. Mm-hmm. No, Trav, I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, especially he's helped me. He's out a little a short. Ton. Well, you can't right. he's got a bubble butt him. too genetics but, yeah. genetics <laughs> but as for service no he's he takes care of us uh quite we often, love you trav quite often and he always does a good job so you know yeah i 100 percent agree with that yeah and staff wise i mean i can't echo that anymore i mean that to me that is one of the most important things to treat them like a human treat them how you want to be treated, your patients, staff, everyone, and then also, you know, get good people around you and take care of them. Exactly, right? Because if you don't, they're not going to be there much longer. No, absolutely not. And if you don't treat them well, you know, you can compensate them well, but if you don't, like, say hello to them and and just treat them like a human being, just like they are, and, Mm -hmm. and don't think... The one thing that my mentor, Dr. Lombardi, used to say to me all the time was, he'd say, hey, Ryan, you can never you know, fault somebody or complain or bitch or moan if things are not running as smoothly as you would like them to go or as efficiently or as, as quickly, if you're not willing to get dirty and do the things 100%. that anyone else would do. So he taught me very early on in my career to grab a mop and go <clears> in the <throat> OR and mop, open trays, put sheets on the bed. There's no task mm-hmm. that is too small or beneath me, right? Yep. And it's, it's leading by example too. Because if your staff sees you going in and changing sheets on a bed or rolling the bed out or, or or just asking, hey, how can I help? Sometimes I feel like I'm in the way because mm-hmm. they do it way better than I do it because I don't do it that often. Sure. But, um, you know, it's a team effort. I'm a huge team, uh, you know, proponent and um, couldn't do what I do on a daily basis without the amazing group of providers, physicians, PAs, nurse practitioner, and then all the other um, staff, the, yeah. the nurses, the x-ray technicians, the the administrative staff, the receptionist. So we're, we're very blessed. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. <coughs> so personal stuff. So as you said, we have a lot in common. Yeah. So my, I'm raising two boys and I have a wife from Michigan. You're raising three boys. You have a wife from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I guess what's your, what's a piece of advice you'd give me to uh, keep it running smooth? Um, whew. so, I mean, I think you probably do a really nice job of this already, mm-hmm. but 
um, to me, it's like finding that work-life balance. And it takes a, it, it took me a while, yeah. right? Because when I was first very young in my career, it was like, you're just out of training. All you want to do is just like operate and the stresses of like running, not running the business side of the practice, but just like being a, a surgeon without like a security blanket anymore. Yeah, right? for sure. And that's probably two or three years. And then um, for, to me, and then it was like building a business and which I'm constantly building stuff and adding new companies and this and that. But, um, and I don't even remember when this was, but I always made it a very big point to be very involved with the boys. So I, I would suggest, you know, if you can, if you have the time, if you have the desire, if your boys play soccer, baseball, whatever. Um, I, I coached every single one of my boys yeah. with every sport that they wanted to play. Um, I've kind of taken a step back from that now because they're getting a little bit older and I, I want to be able to enjoy because I feel like if I'm coaching somebody's baseball team, I'm going to be missing somebody else's baseball game. For sure. Game. It's not fair. So, um, and I also find that I'm probably just a better parent than I am a coach because I get a little too intense. So getting involved, uh, just cherishing your time with your family because, um, you know, we, we put a lot of stress on ourselves with being surgeons yeah. and physicians and, and taking care of patients. And there's a lot of baggage that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. And to come home and to, you know, you know, take it out on either your kids or your wife, it never made sense to me. Um, you know, I can come home and have a bad day. Which to me, I love what I do. Like there's very few days where I come home and I'm ever complaining because I'm just excited about what I do. Sure. But I also don't come home and want to talk about it either because I just did it all yeah. day. Yeah. So when I come home, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to talk about work. Mm-hmm. I just want to be dad and husband at that yeah. point. And my wife, she's really good with that. And she's just like, if you want to talk to me about anything, talk. But otherwise, just be here and be present. And I'm like, eh. I, and I, that, that's, I try that and I, yeah, I do decent. You know, you, you'll get better at it too with time just because it's a, it's a, anything takes work, right? Sure. Relationships take work. Being mm-hmm. a, a successful physician, surgeon takes work. Being a, a good dad takes work. And, you know, we're constantly improving. Mm-hmm. Am I going to say I'm a, the best dad in the world? Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, hopefully I'm a better dad tomorrow than I was today. And, and that's like my goal in life too. Whatever I do, I just want to be a little better than yeah. I was the day just before. Keep, yeah. Keep going. 1%, right? Yep. 1%. Absolutely. What's what else? Uh, where would where was your favorite place you ever vacationed? Ooh, so I've been very fortunate. I've traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the place that I keep going back to because I feel just very drawn, and it's Italy. Oh, um, yeah. I've been all over Italy. Um, I, I've I've been to Italy probably not quite ten times, but good seven or eight. Yeah, um, I've been to Rome. I think three or four times. I've been to Cinque Terre four times. Um, you know, we went to the Amalfi Coast, which is like one of my newest favorite places mm-hmm. uh, this past fall and really fell in love with that area. My family's from Tuscany, so we, we spent some time with, up there. And um, so I, I like the lifestyle there. I love the food there. Hmm. Um, the the country is just beautiful. It's it's mountainous. It's yeah. But then you can get to the coast and everything's pretty quick. People are super friendly and nice. Um so I, I'm gonna go with Italy. That that's mine also. Yeah. I mean, Italy, I like cool. Venice the best. I've never been. So that's like one of the cities I still need to hit. Phenomenal. I mean, I, the, and I've heard negativity about it and this and that. And when my wife and I went there, we we loved Venice, and Cinque Terre. Love loved it. Oh, did you go there? Yeah. Yep. Did you hike it? We did. 
Yeah. How many how many cities did we you guys get in? Because I know the trails have been closed for a couple of years. I think we did two cities. Okay. We, so this is actually funny. When we went we went to Cinque Terre, we got an Airbnb. It was just actually my wife and I, right in uh, Rio Ma- Rio, Rio Majora. Majora yeah. Yeah. So right on the water, you know, real nice overlooking everything. And the guy we went, um, Bruno or Antonio, I, I, you know, I went to see him and I said, hey, we're here. Phenomenal. Like you said, just such a nice guy, welcoming and this, that. And um, so he goes, I said, well, what do you think? What should, what should we do? We want to go eat and, you know, check it out, whatever. He goes, you do this, you check out, you see this guy and you do blah, blah, blah. And so he goes, first, you need to take this bus. You go to the top of the hill and you eat, you eat your lunch at this place. And I said, OK. And he goes, then you're going to come out of there. You're going to make a right. and You are gonna go down that path and then you're going to come down. And, you know, you tell me all these things. He goes, you feel it here and here in Cinque Terre. First, you feel it in your legs, then you feel it in your belly, then you feel it in your head. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you hike, you eat, and then you drink. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, all right. So we, and it was, you know, I remember that like it was yesterday, you know, talking with this guy and just like your buddies basically within two minutes. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I'm like, it, it, they're so welcoming, happy to have you. So yeah, I've, I loved Italy. We we actually the last time we were there, I've I've hiked Cinque Terre I think four times. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time my buddy from undergrad, Greg Beato, yeah, um, he's a team physician down at Virginia Tech now, and then one of my good buddies who's Italian, Giacomo, yeah, um, he works with uh, the Medacta, the orthopedic oh, implant yeah, Medacta, manufacturer yeah, yeah. that I that I use for my hip and knee products, yeah, and we did this hike. I, I can't remember. We started in northern cities. Uh, I think Monterosso was the, the first one, but sure. um, I remember when I hiked it back in 2009, there was this little bar up at the top at one of these mountains yeah. that you hike to. You can't get to it by vehicle. And I was like, God, if I ever hike this again, I want to, I want to go there again. And we, we sat down and we each had a beer there. It was just so memorable. It was yep. very cool. No, that it's a, that's a very awesome place. Yeah. So that was three, right? That was, that was two. That was two. Okay. I think. All yeah. right, you got and one more. Fire away. So, I what's your ideal retirement? Um, like age or, or just I think like what whether it's age or where you're at, where you're living, who you know. Yeah, so stuff. I don't think I will ever fully retire. Right, okay. I I won't be doing surgery forever. Yeah, and quite honestly, I mean you know it. It's it's a grueling. It's a, it's a grind. Like a lot of people, they don't realize how physical what we do is. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's like you probably sit for the majority of your I surgeries, do. right? Yeah. So it's different for me. I'm standing for all my surgeries and it's like bigger joints. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that what you do is like easy physically, but sure. you know, we're swinging heavy mallets. And, and so it takes its toll. There's a lot of like neck pain every day. Yeah. This is a long winded answer <laughs> to your question. But so I see myself retiring from surgery but continuing on with my my business, yeah. um, entrepreneurial spirit. Because yeah, that, absolutely. quite honestly, I never knew I I had or I mm-hmm. enjoyed, and I'm enjoying that like a tremendous amount. Just like building companies and and trying to figure out solutions to to common problems that a lot of people would normally say it just it is what it is. Yeah, it's a thing. problem, and I'll deal with it. Yeah, I think no, that's good. So, but. Like I, I love to travel, so I, I would see um, doing a lot of like remote work, mm-hmm. um, probably a lot of consulting work. 
stuff that can be done if I'm at the beach, if I'm hiking in Arizona, if I'm in Italy. And Karen and I, some of the best memories I have ever had with her are when it's just her and I, mm-hmm. and we're traveling. And we've we've had some amazing, like we went to Greece for our 10-year wedding anniversary, yeah. trying to plan a trip to Greece this upcoming summer, because she's Greek. And I want to bring um, the boys, obviously. And then I want to bring her parents, because they weren't able to make it when we went to Italy this past fall, because my father-in-law was ill. Okay. But he's doing much better now, so Good. Good. We're, we're hoping to make that happen this summer. Nice, oh. yeah. We went to Greece too, and that was awesome. That where'd was you, actually where'd you go there? We did so we we got a cruise through Italy. We left out of Rome, uh, down to um, Sicily. We went to Santorini, Mykonos. Yeah, um, we were in Santorini for the Napoli, week. Was it? Napoleon. Uh, we went to Olympia. Okay. Um. So that was so I actually that was probably when I finally paid off my student loans as a gift to myself and my parents and her parents for always being there and helping us. That's so I took that. Oh, that's awesome. So we all six of us went Good on that you. cruise and then her grandma came and so, so it was cool. Do you, your parents and your in-laws get along well? Oh yeah. They, they love each other. Yeah. Like it was like the first time they met, we met in Cleveland and got hotel rooms and went out to dinner and they were having, they were, it was like me and Carly were like the, fourth and the fifth and sixth wheel like i'm like well this is good for us you know so no they get along very very well that's awesome i'm very blessed with that yeah they're good they're good people so yeah ready to roll reverses i'm ready okay so business questions all right i'm gonna do these a little bit out of order because i normally no i'm gonna stick with kind of what i what i typically do but who is there like an individual that you can say um, was really kind of your mentor or your your major influence to choose what you do professionally on a day to day basis? Was there like a person you're like, this is who I can say really influenced me? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I do think that my uncle, just being a physician, um, you know, that kind of brought me to the table of thinking about it and considering it, and you know, in general, the lifestyle and everything about it. You know, and so I think probably him, to be honest, from Joe. an early, yeah, Joe Dimel, mm-hmm. um, from an early perspective. And then, I mean, I did um, with Fred Tomasi, uh, local podiatrist. Um, that's who I first was introduced to podiatry. And okay. I then in my residency, I worked with him quite often and, you know, uh, Italian guy and him and I always got along very well. Um you know, I, I didn't go into the private aspect of it that he was in. I'm, you know, hospital employed and stuff. But either way, he's always, whether it's a business acumen or, you know, he's he's always been a good guy, even through residency and things that I think, um, I, I think it was more not even podiatric in nature. It was just him as a, in general, he kind of taught me how to be a good physician, mm-hmm. you know, and whether, I mean, yeah, obviously he taught me things podiatric and foot and ankle and this and that, but also I think just as a person, he was always a good guy. And so I kind of always looked up to him. Yeah. And so That's he's, important. he's, he's still working. He's older and still grinding away. How old is he now? Ballpark. I think he's probably low sixties and, oh, okay. So, he's you know, still. but you know, he, he's won't retire. I don't think yeah. he's kind of, he's kind of like, enjoying it. Yeah. He just, he loves, he loves it. So, he goes into the office and he's, he's a good guy. So he's probably one of them. Nice. So, you know, you, you work on anything from 
tibia down, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you could say, and I know you do a lot of different surgeries, but sure. like, yeah. is there one surgery that you're like, you get really geeked about and you really enjoy? And if you had like the, the classic question, one food, one meal for the rest of your life, you're on a desert island, what would it be? One surgery the rest of your life on a desert island, what would it be? And you so, do a ton of them too, but yes, way. yeah, no, I do everything, and I, I've, I'd say if you asked me this three years ago, this would not even have been this had been on my <laughs> low list of what I like to do, um, but I, I'd say the minimally invasive bunion. I mean, it's it's been a game changer for me. I, I, the patient outcomes, um, just satisfaction, uh, the how the surgery's done, the technique behind it, and then also the things that I learn every time I do it, you know, uh, you know, I actually, I did one this morning, you know, and it's you, every single, whether it's a, you know, a 18 year old or a 75 year old or whatever, they all have different anatomy, different, this, that, the other thing. And the, I'll tell you, it, it, bunion surgery used to be my least favorite surgery to do. It is now my most favorite. And I don't think that will change. Uh, and it's just, I've really got into that. And I think I do a lot of minimally invasive surgery in general. Mm-hmm. So I think that encompassing, that's probably, those are my favorite, but that specific one is my favorite. I just think people do so well with it. I still don't, and I'm going to talk a little bit of shop, mm-hmm. um, still don't understand how it freaking works. I mean, <laughs> and for any orthopedic surgeons, foot and ankle surgeons out there, um, when you're cutting the bone, like when you fracture a bone, like the basics of like, what we called our governing body was AO. I did an AO fellowship sure. in Grenoble, yeah. France, where we learned, you know, anatomic reduction, as much surface contact as possible. Put the pieces of the puzzle exactly back to where they are because that will ensure good osseous union or give you your best chance for sure. it. Sure, absolutely. You're cutting a bone and you're barely having any contact between those bones. <laughs> yeah. And totally shaving sides off. It's just like, I've seen the x-rays, I've seen the results, I've seen the, the 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 final stuff too. And I've seen a lot of your patients. I mean, one of them's my neighbor. Yeah. Um, and Karen will probably be one of them very soon here. Yeah. But I still don't understand. It just seems to defy physics to me. You're right. And the funny thing is, I was looking, I went when you had texted me a couple of days ago, I one of the near texts to that that I saw was side by side image of uh, minimally invasive bunion. Yeah. Uh, an x-ray because you're like how does it work like why does it work and i'm like i don't know i mean <laughs> i because I, I didn't buy in yeah uh, so fred tomasi actually was uh one of the first people that ever did any type of minimally invasive surgery and i always poo-pooed it i said oh come on like really we're gonna you're gonna do this and this is gonna work and why didn't just do it open you can see it you can fix it you're done but it works i mean i did it I went to a course. I was probably one of the first people around here that went to this specific course, you know, um, in down in Naples. And I said, well, I'll give it a whirl, you know, try one or two, see how they do. Didn't do a ton right off the bat. And then those people came back and it's like, they're begging for their next one to be done. I have And previously it's like bunion surgery. Everyone comes in. They're like, I, I don't want to do that again. I'm happy with what you did, but no, thank you. Yeah. This is like, Six weeks. They're the amount of people that have both of them done with this is astronomical compared to previous. Wow. So, so I know, what would you say like your your second surgery percentage was before? Like, 
assuming that they both needed it, right? Sure, absolutely. Like, yeah. would you say twenty five percent before? Now it's seventy five percent, or what? Uh, yeah, probably in the yeah maybe twenty to twenty five, and now it's. I mean, if they need it, I'd say probably seventy five to ninety. Wow. You know, and it's it's a game changer. It, absolutely. I mean, and so that to me speaks volumes. How many years have you been doing that? Probably about two and a half to three years. I've done actually. My I was talking with the uh, uh, the Arthrex rep today about it, and he's like, you know, I was trying to think about how many you've done, and they switch people in between and stuff like that. He's like, it's probably 300, 400. I don't know. Like, I mean, so it's been quite a lot in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, in the first probably six eight months, I only did a few because I wanted to make sure it worked. Right. You know, I wasn't just going to come in and be like, I'm doing this on everyone. You know. Yeah. And then it comes back and it doesn't work, you know? And then after that, it just took off. And like you said, word of mouth and, you know, you get really good patients that believe in you and trust you. And so that it's to me, like that's a big trust building surgery too. Like people, they have it done. It's like a hip or a knee. I mean, they have a ton of pain and then they come back three weeks later and they're like, I feel great. Like they'll, they're going to come to you for everything. Yeah. And, and so like if, if I can start with a minimally invasive bunion, I have a patient for life, you yeah. know? So like, that's another kind of way I see it too. And yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So they're usually happy. So, um, what's your, it's, I'm going to ask my last business question, but it's like a two parter. Okay. okay. Um, what's the absolute most favorite part of what you do as a foot and ankle surgeon? And on the tail of that, what's the absolute least favorite part of what you do as a foot and ankle surgeon? It could be the business. It could be it could be particular procedures. It could be dealing with patients. It could be dealing with staff, whatever. Sure. So I think I'll start with the least favorite because I think it's probably every physician's least favorite and it's prior authorizations and insurance in general. You know, I mean, I think right now, we're at a flexion point really in society where it's like the doctors and other people really need to step up and, you know, get these insurance companies to realize that we're the doctors, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, just little things, you know, I mean, it could be a simple generic medication that needs a prior authorization that takes 40 minutes, you know, or, you know, a surgery that needs this, that, or the other thing. And, and then you call the, you call the physician on the other end to do a peer to peer. And I, uh, you know, a, a ligament ankle ligament tear, right? I mean, I did one of these a couple of days ago. I asked the guy, I said, so how many of these have you done? He goes, well, I'm, I'm a general practitioner. And I said, okay. So this patient came in presenting with these symptoms, well, you know, and it's a formality. They give me the MRI, yeah, you know, or they approve the surgery. Why? Yeah, Why are we like, spending time? It's 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 almost like, is he really going to do it? If he is willing to take the time and effort to do it, we're going to let him do it. But yeah, I I'm I'm right there with you. How yeah. about the flip side though? How about the positive? So, this might I think it's in two parts in general. I mean, I think when patients are happy with surgical outcomes, when they come in ecstatic, when they tell their friends about it. You know, when someone, even, you know, an 85, nine-year-old lady comes in and you did something for her that she's had issues forever. No one told her she could ever have something done and she did it and she's crying in your office or ecstatic or bakes you a cake or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, that's cool. You know, patient happiness and satisfaction. Yeah. And 
also one of the, I actually enjoy, like some people are like, well, I don't tr- clip, clip toenails or I don't do that or whatever. I do everything. I mean, I do some of the more complex foot and ankle surgeries that you can do. And I clip toenails. And I mean, when I'm clipping toenails, I get to know the patients and I talk to them and, you know, I take two to three minutes and, you know, it's a little bit of time, but you know, I'm doing something so mundane and so simple to do, but it makes them, people leave there happy and it's instant gratification. If I go get some clippers, will you clip mine right now? I'll my, do it. my hips are getting I'll bad. I'll do it. And, if and you we need could do it a, done. a podcast. <laughs> well, do right? It. I'm in. So, but uh, you I get, just trimmed you get them the other day. But to people, you know, yeah, like it's like, I, I hear what like you're rather than you're just examining, you know, whatever it may be, and you're this, that, and I'm talking to my scribe or whatever, it, it, it's such a simple task that I don't have to worry about what I'm doing. Yeah. And I get to learn about their kids or their family. Or, so I, I enjoy that too. Awesome. So, personal stuff. Yeah. So, um, did you say you have one sibling? I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you older or younger? I'm younger. Okay. Um, growing up, you know, what were some of your, your, your best memories and fun things to do, like in Erie during the summer with your family and your friends? So I, I played a ton of soccer. So it was like, I always felt like that kind of took over a lot of my life in the summer and stuff like that. What organization were you playing with? um, Erie Admirals. Okay. So were you up at like family first? Yeah. And we were like premier. And so we're traveling every weekend and this and that. So like, that was fun. And my family went with me and, you know, whether both my parents and my sister, you know, I mean, but those were always fun, but it's like business trips, you know, kind of. But we often went to um, Ocean City, Maryland, and it was with my family and also my second family, which is my buddy Jeremy Blymiller um, and his parents and stuff. And we all they we always went there, and so I guess it wasn't an Erie in general, but it was with an Erie crew. Yeah. Um, and that um, we were actually my wife and I were talking. I took the last week of September off, and we're like, "Where should we go?" And I was like, "Maybe we should go to Ocean City just to bring back the good old times." But the weather's not quite what I wanted it to be, so sure. I think we're gonna go somewhere else. But just in general, like I, I remember that trip every summer, like you know, and it was pretty much every summer for many years, and so that was one of the good memories I had. Nice. Also, I like jet skiing. We were we would jet ski down in the lake uh, on Lake Erie, and that was fun too. Awesome. Do you have any jet skis now? I don't, and I kind of wanted to buy one, but I barely golf <laughs> enough to yeah. justify. So my wife's like, "How are you gonna get a so, jet?" So ski I haven't to? played since the member guest. I played in like one scramble. Yeah. With um, Drew Dimel. Oh over yeah. Over at um, Lawrence Park. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't really like scrambles. No, I, I mean, hate them. It's I just it's like. You're not playing the way that you normally play, no. so you're just kind of like swinging free. You're, you're, I'm slicing the ball left because I'm just like swinging for the fences. But um, especially with him on your team, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. So Drew, yeah, love playing with you, but man, you can create some bad habits really quickly because you're like, ah, Drew will hit a great shot. Yep, so. yep. But um, all right, second question. So your wife is from um, the Metro Detroit area. Yes, what, yep. is she from St. Clair Shores or uh, Macomb? Okay. And, uh, I mean, I spent some time up in that area for my residency and then, you know, my wife being from there, I was in Michigan, Metro Detroit for 10 years, mm-hmm. but, um, did you ever spend much time either there or up North Michigan? So she has a camp up North, like not really up North. It, it, they call it up North, you know, they're up North. It was two hours away. Yeah. Where um, was she? Where is it, it was? forget the name of the city it was you know right up 75 two hours basically okay and it was a little camp 
uh, you know, it's nice, on the that's lake. Actually, nice little house. It's by it's by a, a lake, pretty close, yeah. like Clear Lake, I think it. Might so be called, like an or, inland lake. It's not yeah, like on the inland lake. No, west. no. You're not talking Mm-mm. Charlevoix or Traverse Mm-mm. City or Mm-mm. any of those. Mm-mm. But I've been up there too. Yeah, and Isn't I, I love Traverse there? City. I mean, it's the great. wineries yeah. and stuff like that are phenomenal. It's so, a great place in the summer. Yeah, no, I I enjoy it. And we were just back there. Even her parents got a pontoon boat, and we were out on uh, I think Lake St. Clair last two okay. weekends ago. And you know, it's it's great. Place. It's kind of like Erie. Yeah, you know, what it I mean, is. in general, but Northern Michigan's different. And like that Sleeping Bear Dunes. Yeah, that was awesome. You, you know, know, Madonna's parents have a winery up there. Oh, really? It's called Chicone. Okay. Um, we've been to it several times, Karen and I, and yeah. they still like they. It's operational, and they actually work there. Really? It's not just like we own it, and we rarely come. Like, they're actually physically. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of what they do. Yeah, that's so cool. Two, you have two boys. Two boys, yep. Is 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 it done, or are we going to try Let to God s- decide. <laughs> yeah, okay, so. <laughs> we'll see what happens. The goalie hasn't know. been put in the net yet. No, so no. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. I mean, I I'm very happy with where we're at right now, and I, I mean, I yours really, are young too. They right? are. I mean, one just turned three, Pearson, and uh, Lux will be two in a month and a half. So they're only fourteen months apart. It it's been fun, and they're at a great age right now. And like, finally, we're about to like do some traveling with them and things like that. And I'm like, do we want to go backwards? Like, can we do we want to try and have a girl? You know, are you gonna have one? Are you gonna have another boy? I mean, in which. I love the boys. My my wife, I think, is a good boy mom. So yeah, same, she, same with Karen. Yeah. So she's like, I don't even know if I really want to have a girl. And so we'll see. But yeah, I, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Obviously, not anymore because my wife likes to joke that her eggs are dried up. But yeah, yeah I mean, we're both in our mid forties, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a little different. But yeah, um, I would definitely, if she, if she was like game for it, I would definitely go for another fourth. Um, secretly hoping it would be a girl, but if it was a boy, I'd be happy. Yeah. I mean, because I we're ecstatic with our three boys. That's a um, thing, and it's a lot of fun. They keep us on our toes, and they're super active. Yeah, so. and your grandparents are all like, are they right? Like your parents are here, right? My parents are here, and so do your in laws come in much? They or? do. Yeah, they do. They, they they enjoy like they love Erie. Like in general, would like, they ever relocate here? See, so she has two sisters oh, that live there. up there. They have a little, you know, some family up there. I wouldn't be blown away if they, <laughs> you know, considered it. But they, they, they both have really good jobs up there, and they're pretty well put. But I mean, they, they love it. They come, they come often. They enjoy coming. They, they come for holidays. I mean, sometimes, like they'll come to Christmas here and go to my family's. You know, I, I have a huge extended family and we always meet up every christmas brunch and with my mom's side and dinner with my dad's side and and they come and they fit right in you know and they're like yeah we're coming up for christmas this year and we're like great we don't have to travel number one yeah number two we have fun it's a big family and they enjoy it and we kind of made a rule once we had kids like we were done traveling like yeah if you want to see him you can come to us and yeah i absolutely love my in-laws i'm so blessed um, yeah that i mean they're so easy to get along with, um, and they come quite frequently. They'll come, mm-hmm. you know, probably every six weeks or so. Yeah. And um, we like going out there. We obviously don't get to get out there as much as I think Karen or I would like to, but, you know, to see her um, her aunt, her cousin, cousin's husband, Pete. Yeah. And then oh, yeah, um, they're, they're, they have two boys, too, so it's always nice getting out there. So, But the next thing we always do 
because we kind of go into what's called the seventh inning um, sawbones shoe stretch. Okay. So I asked you to bring or, or wear a pair of uh, either very comfortable favorite shoes or ones that have like a unique story. So what are you what are you kicking here? So these here are my uh, they're Colhans. They're more of like uh, active dressier. You know, you can use them how you like them type thing. Um, but, uh, the reason I wore these is these are actually the shoes I wore to Augusta. So when we went last year, I wore these shoes and so they bring back like a good, I wore them, actually I wore them in Italy too, but I mean, mo- I was thinking so a little Augusta. nostalgia. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, being a podiatrist. You'd think I'd be a shoe guy. I'm not, you know, like I'm, I have a bunch of different shoes, but they're all just like a six new balance, you yeah, know, so like, you're not. Like I never, I'm like, eh, okay, I'll pull these out and wear them. You know, I just pop them on and leave, you yeah. know, but I was like, you know, it, when you said that, I'm like, Hmm, shoes, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I said, you know, actually I wore these to Augusta. I mean, these touched the sacred ground of Augusta national. So, by the way, thank you again for getting me that gear. Yeah, he, he got me when he was down there, he asked, Hey, do you want any Augusta gear? So mm-hmm. got me a nice, master's green hat as well as is it a quarter zip yeah long sleeve mm-hmm. quarter zip mm-hmm. um so i will venmo you for that later but thank you again Absolutely. and i was commenting on his shoes earlier i said i have the exact same pair um i love cole hans yeah um it's funny how like you get in phases like there was a phase where i wore a ton of cole hans and i wore a ton of uh the magnani's which the spanish shoe that i was telling you about yeah. that matt zim was kind of describing and then as Time has gone. I've gotten just m- way more casual. So like, and my Jordans are now kind of like my dress shoes. <laughs> if I'm going to something where I, I I wouldn't wear them, which I, I haven't been to anything where I wouldn't have worn my Jordans as dress shoes, because I feel like life has changed, right? Yeah. Like Karen and I will go out to dinner. We're like, ooh, do you think we can wear this? And she's like, it is. The world is so casual now. Yeah. And we went to this really nice sit down dinner this past weekend in Sandusky. It, it was like the hotel restaurant but it was very nice mm-hmm. i was like are we like underdressed and and we were she's like as long as you don't have swimsuits on you're fine yeah you're wearing a shirt you're good yeah <laughs> so i'm wearing the uh, jordan five high uh, university blue carolina blue um i'm usually not a high top guy at all i like lows way better they're just a lot more comfortable but this is one of those pairs where i just i you know with my collection i couldn't turn it down because i'm a huge not only Jordan fan, but a Carolina fan. So anytime I see the Carolina colorway, I'm kind of a sucker for that. So, and I like the fives too. Those are, awesome. always, Those are so great shoes. Just very big, very 1980s ish, right? <laughs> yeah, you they get are. that they're, really they're big. That tongue, baby. That tongue. You, you could get... take a, a line drive baseball there <laughs> yeah. and you wouldn't even feel it. You didn't even know what happened. So, well, next thing we're going to do uh, is the Sawbones Challenge. Okay. So, as always, ask you to, you know, Leave comments, suggestions, anything else that you may um, want to see. But uh, stick around. We're going to do the Sawbones Challenge in a little bit. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, we'll call, we'll come back and kind of wrap it up and do our closing. So see you in a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. All right, everybody. Sawbones Challenge. Dr. Anthony Colonna. We've talked about the rules. Five, three. First one to make five. All 
back from the sawbones challenge uh anthony i just want to thank you again for for joining me tonight this has been a lot of fun getting yeah, to learn more about you getting another excuse to drink a good ipa and um but where do you see yourself i mean you asked me kind of where i saw orthopedics in five to ten years where do yeah. you see yourself like both personally professionally um you know with your life yeah i so i mean obviously i mean relatively young i'm 37 so i'll still be practicing hopefully refining surgical techniques and doing things uh to try and really make an impact in i really my i really enjoy the minimally invasive stuff so i mean that's kind of where i've focused a lot of my energy so hopefully i can make an impact in that and continue to train surgeons you know i i am blessed to be able to have nine residents that work with me um you know through the LECOM residency program and uh, they're fantastic and it's very interesting and awesome to do, be able to. Do you to, enjoy that? I do. I do. It takes I a mean, special person to have that patience and be able to like hand things over. Yes. Right. And I'm not the greatest. I mean, I'm good in general with that, but it's, it's very, t- I, you have to trust the person. Like yeah. you said, it takes a while to really trust someone. Um, and they're all, Good kids. I mean, overall, I haven't really had a ton of people where I'm like, I don't want to have you do anything or, you know. So I think, and, and if they do come out that they're not good, it's my fault. Yeah. I mean, partially, you know. So I think that, you know, so I can I want to continue to, you know, adapt myself as a surgeon, a person, a human uh, father, you know. But also one thing that I've gotten into in the past couple of years and, I, and pretty much every podcast I listen to as I'm driving, which I do commute a little bit for work and things, is real estate investing and uh, private equity mm-hmm. type stuff. So um, I got into real estate syndications and um, a couple of them. I just invested in a private equity deal and a private with a really cool surgical company um, that's doing like OR optimization mm-hmm. and efficiencies and stuff like that. So that's kind of my itch that I'm scratching right now. And I hope that it really takes off because I mean, I think passive income or some sort of, you know, other thing other than medicine is important. You need to have something. Yeah. Right. So whether it's, 
and I don't even know that I care about the income as much as really just learning and trying and doing different things, whether it's, you know, right now I'm thinking, you know, the Airbnb arbitrage and this and that and all these different tax, you hear all these people talk about things and I just don't want to have analysis paralysis. I, I so I jump into things and I yeah. try things and my wife's like, you're really going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. We have to like, why not give it a whirl? And if, if it doesn't work, it. right? Like yeah. you're, I mean, any risk, anything worthwhile in life requires risk. Yes. And if, if there's no risk associated with it, probably not that worthwhile. And I'm not going to waste any of my time or energy or my money on yeah. it. So I'm not, I'm, I'm very much like you where I'm, uh, I take calculated risks. So, sure. right. Like I'm not just jumping into anything without doing market research mm-hmm. and understanding. And, and I need to truly believe in something yes. for me to, to make it happen or, invest in it but um i love that i mean that's that's you're you're diversifying what you do and how you do it and how you can provide for your family and plus it's just fun i think just to learn new things like for me the business development that i've i've gained over the past five years of just owning my own practice and other little side businesses that it's allowed me to to start up have been just number one tremendously fun i i that my new rule because i'm like I'm, I'm approaching middle age here if I'm not there already. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not doing anything in life anymore unless it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing anything in life anymore unless I can do it and enjoy the people I'm doing it with. Sure. Those are my two basic rules. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, you know, it's a, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank you again for coming on. No, I appreciate you inviting me. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, again, if you guys need, anything foot ankle this is your guy so northwest pennsylvania even the tri-state area um like i said i've trust trusted many family members with him as well as essentially all my foot and ankle patients so i appreciate it thanks again bud thanks. okay thanks for having me. yeah so again if you have any questions comments suggestions uh we ask you to subscribe as well but leave those comments and make sure that you are subscribing every wednesday morning 6 a.m we have a new guest again celebrating uh, just local legends and, and stories. And that's why I do this. And uh, quite honestly, this has been one of the most enjoyable projects. Uh, there's there's no secondary gain for me from this other than just being able to share my story and, and my guest stories. So thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned. We're going to give you a little sneak peek as to next week's guest. Have a great day. Well, uh, my name is Archana. Um, it's, I'm from India. Um, so I, I guess most of my friends know that. They call me Arch. I was uh, well. I was born in a small town in rural North India. It's um, uh, it's a farming town. Most of the people are farmers. My um, dad's family. Uh, so there were five brothers, sisters. Only my father went to college. Well, I, as you and I both know, like this question has always like it's bothered. Uh, all physicians go through this, but physicians have some of the highest stress in their lives. Um, I mean, there is such high uh, rate of depression, um, actually substance abuse, suicide rates. It's so high. Number one. Did you know that we just took the number one spot? Highest suicide rate in the United States by profession is now physicians. physicians. It was dentists for a long time. And do you know who has the highest suicide rate amongst all those physicians? No, I... 
Unfortunately, it's orthopedic surgeons. 28% of physician suicides are orthopedic surgeons. Oh, wow. Almost that's a third. So, that's hard to believe. Really? Mm-hmm. It's such a sought after specialty, too. Like yeah. I, I, can't, I don't know the rationale behind that, but I literally just read that article two days ago. But how do you balance those things? Because it's different when, and Karen can totally relate to this. She's like, the woman is the care provider. That doesn't mean that, like, I love my boys any less. Boys, if you're watching, you know, and I'll come home and I'll cook like I did tonight and last night. And I'm going to do it this weekend. But how do you balance it? Because it's different for a woman. That, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but right. you're, you're the nurturer, right? They're going to almost always come to you first. That's true. So how do you do it? <laughs> Gosh, I never, I've never thought of it. It's just, I've just done it. But maybe it's because I saw um, my mom doing it. It's there. It's just came easy to me because she worked full time, and I would see in the mornings her getting ready for work. Yeah. And before, actually, before she left for work, she would still wake us up, do our our morning hours were, were our study time. She would sit with us, do our homework with us, like extra study. This is not homework. Yeah. extra study like we would be ahead on our syllabus <laughs> because she was a teacher herself so she had to do that with us and then go go for work later so at this now like uh, i've never i've always um worked since i've had the kids i've never had a year i frankly where i was not sure. working so i've just been used to the lifestyle like arian was six weeks old when i started my residency so I still remember dropping him at a daycare and, and he was six weeks. He didn't know any different, right. but I was of course tearful leaving. It's like <laughs> typical Indian. She signed him up for boarding school at six weeks old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a horrible stereotype, oh, but no. we can laugh about it. <laughs> but right? that there's a story there too. Okay. Tell me all about it, Doc. 